Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to the 35th edition of Where They At. My name is Nabate Isles, and it's always a pleasure to interview wonderful individuals and people that reach the highest level of their particular sport. This episode is no different. And uh, before I introduce this gentleman that I have the honor of speaking with, I want to let you all know to make sure to subscribe and or rate Where They At on Spotify. Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and also check it out on Contropolis.net, Contropolis Radio Network as well. So uh, without further ado, I want to introduce this gentleman who is uh, one of the top five pound-for-pound fighters over the last 30 years and one of the greatest middleweights to ever lace up the gloves. And this man has definitely personified persistence, personified personal development personified inspiration and he's had such an amazing life and we're going to talk about his his journey ups and downs but he is now at the pinnacle one of the top executives for golden boy promotions pretty much he he's 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 the man there you know other than oscar it's 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 him he's he's someone that oscar leans on heavily and he's someone that represents the sport to the highest degree and also he was the former middleweight champion where he defended the title 20 times. That is a record. Also, he was a light heavyweight champion as well. And he was the oldest person to win a title. He won the light heavyweight title at 46 years old and he boxed until he was 50. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce the one and only, the executioner, Mr. Bernard Hopkins. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good, man. I, uh, Huh, that's a long history, man. You just ran down and, and you yeah. did it quicker than a career. Did <laughs> a career, you know, a lasted. But you know, nevertheless, nevertheless, first of all, blessings to you. Hope you and your family yes, and everybody to you. listening. Um, I, I hope that they they get enlightened, they get really uh, educated and 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 motivated. Um, once we off, uh, you know. Um, this conversation about many topics, I believe, but mm-hmm. everything is good, man. It's just uh, being safe and, and and not only that, being productive at the same time. So that's that's being a juggling act. Yes, so sir. I, I, know, I know you're used to that. Oh, no doubt about it. That's right. You know, it's just it's just never never lasting. It's always about being productive every day. You live it to the fullest, you know, for yes. sure. And yeah. um, and and I interview I had the honor to interview Mr. George Foreman, whose record you broke for the oldest champion in boxing history and everything. And uh, I want I want to ask you, um, Bernard, uh, the longevity, what attributed to that? Because it's it's once in a lifetime what you did. Part of part of what of the longevity, uh, lifestyle. Lifestyle played uh, over fifty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, talent is talent. I mean, whether you have it or not, but uh, the lifestyle will make all of the talents that you have within you, uh, him or her. But talking about me, um, it just gives me enough time with the lifestyle that I live to the day. To be able to uh, uh, blossom to 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 extraordinary uh, uh, age, time, and performance. So mm-hmm. when you put all them ingredients together, um, you do get a, a a Hall of Fame and and a historic uh, uh, cuisine. 
<laughs> I like that. Yes, sir. So while talking here with International Boxing Hall of Famer, one of the great middleweights of all time, one of the great top pound for pound fighters of the last 30 years, Mr. Bernard Hopkins on Where They At. My name is Nabatel. So, Bernard, we got to go back to your past because your past made you who you are today. You know, and uh, you grew up in Philadelphia. I mean, the soul of Philadelphia. You grew up, you were born in 1965, January 15, 1965. And you grew up in the 70s where you had the, the, the Philly, Philly International sound, you know, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, OJs. Of course, Teddy P was big, you know. And really um, cool. yes, 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 indeed. Yes. And McFadden Whitehead. Yeah, McFadden Whitehead. Yeah, ain't no That's stopping us now. Let's not leave the queens out, Patty. Oh, LaBelle. Patty, yes, LaBelle, absolutely. Yes, sir. So, yes, sir. So, so come from a you know big city of Philadelphia, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. music, soul, um, you know, Detroit, Motown, but you know, we had a, a different a sound, but they all connected. If you look at that uh that that East Coast, that that you know, from from Detroit all the way down to New York and all mm -hmm. in between, I mean, um Philly International, a uh, really great friend. He's doing well. He's, you know, he's pretty up in age, but uh, Kenny Gamble and Huff. Yes, I mean, yes. You know, international, Um, you know, so Philly International. So mm -hmm. that was the title of the promotion. But when Teddy, Teddy Pendergrass, I mean, we can go on. So I know we ain't talking <laughs> about music right now. Oh, no, that's boxing, all right. But boxing is part of music and, and mm -hmm. music is part of boxing. Because one thing about those two connections, Every big fight at every era, even a Frank Sinatra, even all the way to Sammy Davis, even all the way up to Miles to, Davis, to, Miles, to, Davis. To, Miles Davis, Miles mm -hmm. Davis, more you know, Floyd Mayweather, myself, and Oscar, and we had singers, stars, actors, uh, you know, all kinds of characters comes to 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 watch um, the highest level of performance um, mm -hmm. when when those fights happen, where the world sort of shut down and pay attention. Mm -hmm. uh, to those two fights. And, and it's not just heavyweights, um, you know, it's welterweights, lightweights or whatever. Boxing itself, when you reach that, 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 pinnacle, that, that level of, of success and, and, and star, star power. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, since nine years old, I had to learn how to um, hold my hands as my uncle on both sides of the family which is four uncles, two on each side, mother and father, mm -hmm. um, introduced me to boxing. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, a, a third, fourth generation, um, easily three generation of a pass down uh, of the sweet science. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And um, it was just a matter of time at 65, 1965 that I was born, mm -hmm. that I was gonna be the one to take it to a level that raised the bar for future Hopkins or future Hopkins blood somewhere, either on my end, my sister's end, or anybody in, mm -hmm. um, whether I'm here or not, um, don't be surprised if another seed be made and another seed become bigger than I ever was at, and that's big. So um, it's in our DNA, mm -hmm. introduced to me since you know, like I said, eight, nine, seven years old that mm -hmm. I that I can remember. And then growing up knowing that uh, you had to uh, defend yourself in Philly. Mm -hmm. Because one thing about Philly, man, if you you ain't got no kind of fight skills, yeah, uh, 
you know, you might be going home just with your sneaks on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. You had to fight to keep things on your back. Mm -hmm. I mean, and uh, I remember I got my, I, or, no, Ali had his bike taken with me, Ali, if you listen to the Ali story. That's right. It was his Louisville. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was an ex-cop or something or, or former cop, you know, took him to the yes. gym or whatever. Uh, my my story to my memory was my hat got taken for the wow. third time. Okay. And um, you expect to get the love of the, oh my God, you know, this and that. I'm sorry, you know, this and that. You know, I got, I got, I got taken on the street and then I got beat up at home because <laughs> we didn't get no sympathy. Uh -huh. yep. Because that, that five or $10 that, that Shirley May Hopkins bought that hat mm -hmm. and home time somebody took your hat <laughs> and don't, don't care how big the guy was. It's, yeah. I should, right. Right. You either don't come home or, <laughs> or you better come home with your hat. Yep. Yep, my mom was the same way with me. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what's deep is that, like, if I'd have known that I had to come home with at least some scars on me or maybe a busted nose or lip to prove that I did try to fight, I probably got a little mercy. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, you come home, your head down, your shoulders down, tears coming down your face, and you said, what's wrong? Somebody took my hat. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> so I, after about three of those hats been taken, mm -hmm. I realized that I, I better come home saying that that uh, uh, not only do I got my hat and I'm not promoting this, but I got somebody else's hat now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, and we won't get into it. That's when that that. I'm I'm a I'm gonna be bold and, and, and honest with this. That's when that 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 criminal minded, or at least that aggressive. I'm gonna say aggressive, which mm -hmm. led into criminal, but that aggressive minded thinking, right? Of my 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 age bracket was afraid of me because mm -hmm. of these. Yep, I was a street fighter first, mm -hmm. and you know I was a roughneck, peasy head, right? And mm -hmm. and, 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 and 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 but can fight. Yep. So, so I realized that was power. Yeah, wow. Wow. And now, now remember, now I'm in my teens now. Mm -hmm. I'm 12, 13 now, 14. Come on, man. I'm smelling myself, my arms and everything. I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I yep. see this respect. I said, man, you know, who want to get rid of that? Who want to let that not be exposed coming mm -hmm. up from the inner city of North Philly? Yeah. Yeah, and that's deep, and uh, Bernard, and that's what I wanted to ask you, like, you know, when, when things were happening, when when um, you got involved, like, you were arrested over 30 times, you know, and it led to a five-year prison sentence, but how did boxing, how, boxing was still in your life, obviously, during that but, but, time. But, but, but listen to this, though. Uh -huh. before, before the hard sentence, I was in and out of juvie. Yeah. I was in and out of juvenile. Mm -hmm. So, so, so actually burning my welcome out in every juvenile facility in the PA system, and there's over 30. You know, whether it's Glen Mills, Cornwall Heights, Slayton Farms. I mean, after a while, they get to saying to you, like, you in front of the same judge, because you got to go in front of the judge that sentenced you. You you violated that, and then another judge is sentenced you on a new mm -hmm. charge, and you and you at time, time go by, you violate that. 
So it got to the point where the system, um, I, I outgrew and, and I, I outgrew the system. And I also, also, they got tired of me. Like, it's like you again, like, you know, every six months, if I was lucky, sometimes it's four months. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they, you know, they, 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 they gave me breaks though. One thing I can say, I got a lot of breaks. Yes. I got a lot of breaks because of my amateur, um, um, you could say hopeful in the city of Philadelphia, like the AAU, the Golden Gloves, like mm-hmm. all the stuff we don't hear about now. You hear about the Golden Gloves mm-hmm. or whatever, but they had a lot of like, like, like local amateur boxing. Your police athletic league. Pal, yep. Pal, pal. Mm-hmm. So, so I had a lot of people speaking up for me. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and believe it or not, there's a lot of people still alive that still speaking well in their 80s. Wow. With their mind, their memory, and they, 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 they telling stories um, based on my story, man, and wants to get pieced together. And it's a lot to piece together, too. But, you know, you take the, you take all of it's important to me, but you take what you can. And nowadays, you can make three or four or five different episodes. So, um, yep. It's, and I, I'm, announcing that now because what we're talking about is is part of you know what's going to be displayed what's going to be talked about in details and the thing is i remember 99 percent of the stuff like i remember i remember actually being downtown under the subway Mm -hmm. getting stabbed in my back and and actually not breathing for like they said like maybe 15 seconds, which is like a minute when you're not breathing. Uh, um, wow. I remember fighting and getting stabbed another a time um, on my block on Sharpneck Street. Uh, I remember a whole bunch of stuff that I can go into detail. And the broody thing about it, I don't see them every day, but I, I connected with people that I went to school with, elementary school, mm-hmm. and, and, and got them on film. Saying mm-hmm. Bernard was a riot. He we, we we couldn't go on trips because he either did something or he even he we was too scared to tell on him. So everybody got blamed for it. Mm. I mean, these are the things that I'm talking about. Definitely not glorifying, but this is if you want to hear all the story, you got to hear it from the cradle to the grave. You got to hear it from those moments, which easily could have took my whole life and career. That's think real. about it. That's real. Wow. I mean, that's real talk. Think about it. Yeah. So, so when people hear these short versions of, 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 you know, they be like, man, you know what I heard, but I didn't know, oh, I didn't know that, this and that. But all these moments, even in the juvie, but definitely at Grady Four, which is one of the respected prisons uh, in a PA penal code in Pennsylvania is pretty big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, we're talking just mm-hmm. Philly. We're talking from here to Pittsburgh or in between. Yeah. We're talking yep. Pennsylvania is huge. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about graded for, you talking about any other penitentiary, and there's over thirty some, thirty plus. We, you got to go through graded for to get through the other prisons. Yeah. Graded for was a a what you call a a a a. Uh, 
Danasi, it was a place you had to go to get shipped other places. You had to go there to get certified. Yeah. That yeah. was a place to get certified. Wow. And, 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 and if you had some kind of pull or you was some kind of uh, influencer that the system can use you to keep the population calm, mm -hmm. then they would keep you down there. Wow, but mainly 99% of people get shipped out of other places. Oh, that's deep, Bernard. And, and I wanted to talk with you like that number. I know you think about that number. Why? Four, one, four, five. I know you think about that from the standpoint of where you at now. That's what I'm saying, where you came from and where you at. That's that's the thing. And talk about uh, how that every day pushes you to be your best self. And also, too, there was another question I want to ask. Your younger brother was killed and you were in the same prison as his murderer. That's deep right there. But that's how I, that's why I said to you a mm -hmm. couple of minutes ago. Mm -hmm. There's so many episodes where me and you ain't supposed to be on this 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 call right now or mm -hmm. this uh, 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 podcast, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. There's so many. I'm gonna say it again. There's so many episodes, moments, yes, reality, yes. Mm -hmm. where, and I don't believe in luck. I believe me and luck are enemies. That we, ah. that, that, listen, that, that th there are so many reasons, even at Wharton, you'll be back in six months. You know about that. Right. Or you heard about that. Right, right. And here I'm in front of you having uh, a conversation on this podcast and with so many moments where this shouldn't have happened. By mm -hmm. statistics, just by statistics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know, I know it was going to happen because I knew that I didn't have no choice. Wow. I didn't give myself a choice but to win. That's right. And you talked about, too, I love what you say, the best defense. The best defense is a great offense. Always. You know, how, how, that, how that translates. Well, well, that's one reason that me and you can have a conversation and I can understand you and you can understand me. Mm -hmm. The yes, brain. Sir. Yes, sir. See, the best offense is defense. If I didn't think that way, you would do all the talking because every time I open my mouth, it wouldn't sound mm. too clear to you or your, your fans out there around the world. Right. Or my fans out the world. Our, our fans. So, like a, mm -hmm. so like a Meldrick Taylor. Meldrick Taylor situation. God, that's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah but... You know, we sign up for it. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. We sign up for it. But I don't have to fight the way that the ticket buyers want me to fight, which means that the fans want blood and guts. Whether they pay $150 or $50, they want a million dollars worth of pain. Mm -hmm. uh, if they want that from me, I'm going to shortchange them because... <laughs> yes. I'm going to shortchange them because... Uh, there's life really after boxing. Mm -hmm. And and if I didn't think that way, and then listen, you can say what you want to say about Mayweather. I'm not saying you, I'm saying people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are in the prize fighting business. Yep. And even though you have that gladiator within your soul, if needed, if needed, you do what you have to do to win whether you have to sacrifice whatever your body 
put you in position to do. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if I can beat you without you landing a glove on me and everybody else is bored because they don't see no action from both sides. Yeah. Hey, right. listen, you ain't getting a refund. That's right. Right. But it's all right. about winning. It's all about hit well, and not get well, hit. It's, you it's know, it's called sweet science. Mm-hmm, that's right. Science. <laughs> yes, sir. Here with the great Bernard Hopkins on the 35th edition of where they at International Boxing Hall of Famer partner for Golden Boy Promotions, one of the great fighters in the history of the sport. And Bernard, you lost your first professional fight. You're one of the few champions to lose because, you know, now, you know, we have all these prospects that come up giving tomato cans and everything through their career. But you went up the hard way because you had to prove yourself. You weren't you weren't you didn't have the luster behind you. So and. But less money. But less money, right. And you lost to Clinton Mitchell in 1988, and then you didn't fight for 16 months. I remember you always said, thank God you didn't quit. And what made you keep going? Uh, that is 16 months. It was a lot of, lot of, lot of drug dealing going on in any mm. big major city in America. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my guys was either getting life sentence or they was getting mm. murdered. And that was, the crack, that was the crack age right there. 88. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine I was let out in 1988 with nine years parole at 25 years old with no extensive amateur background, but with some amateur fights. And that was a long time ago, considered the time I came home. Who remembers that? Mm-hmm. And I'm telling my parole officer, Adrius, Adrius Dahlin. And that's crazy. I know her first and last name. Yeah. That my plan is when she asked me, because I still had restitution that needed to be paid to the you know courts or whatever. I think it's fifteen hundred. That was like fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you ain't got two dollars. Mm-hmm. What's your plan? Well, obviously stay out, <laughs> walk nine years off. That's easy said than done. When my track record says if I get a year out, that's a celebration. And statistics shows that we normally 80% is a reviving door, you know, in and out, yep. right? Yep. I want to be a professional. No, I'm going to be a professional fighter. I want to see if I can somehow go to Joe Frazier's gym at Borden Glenwood mm-hmm. and, and come back up 10, 15 minutes up Broad Street is the halfway house. Believe it or not, Temple built all the way around it and it's still there. I'm so shocked. Ooh. But I do got it on film. I do got pictures of it. Mm -hmm. And she said, what? I said, I want to become a professional fighter. I'm going to win a championship. I trained in jail. I won championships in Greater Ford. Um, They, they, you know, basically I got a fan base already, right? Not a world fan base, but <laughs> that's my fan base. That's right. The grassroots what, fan base, you know what, what I mean? Mm-hmm. African-American, right? Whether that means anything. And it does to me because she didn't say no and she didn't say yes. She taught me how to real nice. Or at least she thought she did. That mm-hmm. said, Mr. Hopkins, you know, you, the, you, you, this is for young fighters, right? It's for young people, brother, she said. I said, well, 25 is not that I'm trying to tell her 25. And it's really not a spring chicken to trying to turn pro at 25 with no Olympic. 
Not like I got a bronze medal. Even yeah. a bronze medal would have helped me at 25 to get right. at least somebody to look at me. And you're not a heavyweight either. That's easier for heavyweight to do that. Yeah. So, so she basically said, you know, it's not real. It's, it's unrealistic, she said. I remember that word. She says, it's not really, it's, 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 it's you know, you had a restitution um, that doesn't seem to be like a really realistic plan. Um, you know, stay out of trouble, take your, your I guess you, 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 your analysis, you, you, you know, you piss in a cup, I guess, whatever. She didn't say piss, but you know, you, you take your, your test, make sure you, you know how urine, because they got to do that no matter what, whether mm-hmm. you had a drug problem or not, which I never had. Right. Um, your curfew, boom, 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 and then stay out of trouble and everything be okay. I said, well, mm-hmm. I got to be in at five. Uh, if I'm a little late, I got to be in Joe Frazier's. They want me to be there to hit the back. And mm-hmm. said, well, you can get back by 6.30. I will let that happen. But if it interferes with your paying the restitution and being on time, then we're going to have to cut that out. And you're just going to have to just work your way out of the halfway house, which I had nine months. Well, I went and trained at Joe Frazier maybe three times. I know definitely two. Mm-hmm. And I was late getting back. Um, and like I said, Joe Frazier's up this way, Broad Street. The halfway house is going towards downtown. Wow. It had to be like a half hour late. Um, it might not seem too late, but they was really strict. So I was told not to go to Joe Frazier's. Um, didn't get written up. I just got... Because I was a model citizen. I just got a, a warning. And you know, not to go to the gym, come straight back, go to the gym on Saturdays. They don't open on yeah. Sunday. So they right. would tell me for weekends. They only had one day on the weekend. Mm-hmm. I would sneak into the gym. Woo, Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier and Margaret Frazier <laughs> was letting me only, I was think I was paying like $25 or $50, $55 for uh and uh, for pros that, that wasn't established yet, like mm-hmm. early, like rookies, like we was considered right. like, right, I ain't have one fight. I ain't had no fights. I'm, they see potentials in me, but mm-hmm. they see potentials on a lot of people that don't, either they stop coming, stop training, or they get discouraged. You know right. how it go. Yep. You get that one out of 50 in boxing. Mm-hmm. You know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it was history after that. Um, you know, met a couple of guys, we talked about boxing on the roofing union. You might have mm-hmm. read about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Steve Traits uh, Roofing Company. Um, Steve Traits was a real public figure in the city of Philadelphia. Uh-huh. And uh, he had sons. They was all Italian. They saw talking about this boxing. He was on the roof. We was doing roofing. I was like, you know. Kind of like the Petrocellis with Marvin Hagler. Same thing, you know. <laughs> I was boxing. I'm on the roof. It's 530. You know, roofing, you got to be up early. Yes, we're doing yeah. commercial. We're doing Acme shot, right? And, I, and, and I'm, and, you know, I'm trying not to get dirty. How how you going to not get dirty on the roof? <laughs> I ain't had that many clothes. I had a few pants and a few shirts, but man, I ain't trying to get this black tar on my clothes. Right. <laughs> you ain't washing that out. You, that's, it's done. Mm-hmm. Man, they got to tell my man, I'm boxing, man. I'm, man, I used to hit left hook. They taught all those stories. I said, man, you ain't do nothing, man. So, man, they don't be know how to fight in jail. So Steve Trace's son, called Steve Trace Jr., you can look mm-hmm. him up, he was the mm-hmm. junior. Mm-hmm. 
Father's a senior, obviously. So I said, man, I said, man, we go to the gym, we go to the gym. So they said, oh, go ahead, work out. So I guess we start cutting out like 4.30, everybody packing stuff up, take another half hour to get all the stuff done, take the kiddo. You know, they had a kiddo back there. They put the hot tar in there and stuff for burn. So we had to shut that boom. Wow. So we go back to the gym, man. I warmed him up, warmed him up decent. And mm-hmm. other people in the gym. That's the first time that I met Tim Witherspoon. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. I ain't know right. Tim. Tim is older than me. Mm-hmm. That's right. And he was already heavyweight champ. He was already, yeah. You did a lot of research on me. My uncle named Artie McLeod. You ever read that thing about Artie McLeod? Oh, no, no. Artie McLeod was my mother's brother. Mm. He was a contender in Philadelphia. He was a junior. He was a middleweight. Okay. All my uncles was middleweights. Go figure. That's deep. That's Go deep. Figure. Wow. Right, look Arthur McLeod. Artie McLeod. McLeod. Okay. Right. Okay. James, he, he beat uh he beat Animal Fletcher his first fight. Okay. I don't know if you know Frank the Animal Fletcher. But no. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was like that was around, was it early 70s around that time? Yeah. Like early yeah. 70s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blue Horizon around was it at the Blue Horizon? Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. So so man, we got the rumbling man around there, and it was like, who's this kid? Oh, you know, I ain't had no nickname, none of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like, man, you, 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 now I'm like heavy. You gotta remember my first fight was like heavy. Mm-hmm. I had to get close right. to cruiserweight coming out of jail. Right, right. Cause I diet there, all the inmates, they give you starch cause they want to keep you full. Yeah. They don't feed you every half hour. Right. And then the weights too, you were hitting the weights as well. So you gotta hit the weights. Right. right. So you got starch, you got potatoes and weights. <laughs> I come home with a buck 90. I'm fighting that light heavyweight. We look at my record, Clint Mitchell is 75. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, when I got in that spawn, they start looking. You know, when the bag is humming before you start boxing, the next thing you know, you don't hear the bag no more. Yep. They start moving now. Ain't nobody getting knocked out. But they seen the, the raw talent. Yes. And they also seen some growth and development in my, in my skills. They knew that I had potentials. Mm-hmm. Now... They didn't go overly crazy. They said, well, who is this? They, they wanted to sponsor me. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I start training with Slim Jim Robinson. You probably heard about yeah, that. Oh, yes, most definitely. Mm-hmm. I start training at Slim Jim Robinson gym. And guess who was at Slim Jim Robinson gym who told me about the gym? Tim Witherspoon. Spoon. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was down at Washington Avenue in South Philly. If you know anything about Philadelphia, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's a gym called Slim Jim Robinson Gym. Okay. And yeah. a guy used to own it named Arthur Ar- Artie Paluto, the promoter. Paluto, the promoter. of course. Yeah. That's <laughs> Artie about me. He okay. remembered that. He remembered that. Mm-hmm. Yes, Art indeed. Paluto had the gym. Yes, indeed. And you know, you know, of course, Don Elbaum, of course, you know, Don El- you know, Philly Cat. Don you know. very well. Yeah, yes, indeed. Wow. And, and Bernard. Bowie Fisher, God rest his soul. What did he mean to you in your development as a, not just a boxer, but as a man? Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. I mean, just, you know, told me about the boxing, what happens when you're successful, what happens when you're not successful. And, and let me tell you something, Bowie's more of a teacher because he always had like a story. And I must admit, some days you don't want to really hear it. You know, I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm like, all right, boy, because I know it's going to be a long night. I like to talk. Uh, 
but I'm no match for Booby when he wants to tell you something. But 90% of the time I listen. Like even mm-hmm. when I fell asleep, I was listening. Right here. <laughs> yeah, right here. yeah. But he was uh uh one of the kind, man, like a, a person that that not only see talent, but can bring the best out of you by one word. Mm. When mm. yeah. That W when. starts right with W. Mm-hmm. Same as when, and, and 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 um, one of the Philadelphia treasures of teaching, of boxing, um, took a chunk out of their IQ of the t- trainers, which is not teachers to me, and it's not kicking nobody down. It's not, it's not disrespecting anybody. But we lose, we lose, boxing losing teachers. Period. Yeah. And, you know, that's another conversation. I think boxing today is not getting, the, 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 the students are not getting the good teaching. That's all. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, it's like, it's like a, I ain't gonna say bad teacher. It's like a, a teacher that's not uh, uh, fully equipped with the knowledge that. Mm. That's right. That's right. We need to go into the next generation. Absolutely. The the experience and also like the intangibles, you know, and, and also cats, the young, the fighters now don't look at the old school fights, you know, they don't look at because you really see those old, the shoulder rolls and everything, what Floyd would do, what you would d- did, what James Tony would do. We don't see that anymore. We rarely see that, you know, like those the old school style where you have to be a diverse fighter. And that's what Philly fighters are all about. Yes. I mean, Philly. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff came from here, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, some people that didn't live here, they mastered it and add some of their little twist on there. But listen, man, if you have um, a teacher that, you know, understand the sweet science from way before you start walking, mm-hmm. you got to listen to that knowledge, man. And that goes for anything and any and anything in life, man. When you see the OG, it ain't the old gangster. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, 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 <laughs> It's, it's, it's a different title that that OG bring, man, that, that, yes. that old head. You know, when somebody say unk, when somebody say unk, the generation now says unk, like uncle, uncle, like uncle, like that. Like, that's respect. That's like, yo, I'm, I'm going to yeah. listen to unk because unk, no. That's facts. But, but you have a lot of camouflage trainers that's trying to pretend like they teachers. And that's why if they, the fighter sort of get by still because of the fighter's talent, mm-hmm. the legacy mm-hmm. don't be built from the time he wins the title because he won't keep it as long as he should. See, you can win a title, but keeping a title and making a legacy, of course, making money at the same time, that's, right. that's when longevity comes. That's right. That's when the legacy is built. Because fortunately, unfortunately, um, there are really four belts out there that really matters. Whatever order you want to put them in. Mm-hmm. Some would say only three if they want to leave the WBO out. I, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But we know what the three belts are. Mm-hmm. You must be undisputed. Like very few, if you look at the history of boxing, that has been undisputed, even when it was one belt, to be recognized as the true, true guy in that weight division. Now that's the political, that's the politics part of it, where 
you and I can agree to disagree that lightweight, junior welterweight, you know, junior welterweight on down or on up, that's the man in that division. But I guarantee you, it's going to be somebody else that no boxing, maybe just as bright as me and you, mm-hmm. will say, no, that guy is the best fighter in that weight class. Yep. Because you got three or four champions in that same weight class. Until both of those guys fight, nobody can really say they're they the best. Yep. Why you think it was so important for me to become the undisputed middleweight champion since Marvelous, the great Marvin Hagler? Yes, indeed. See, if I would have just stopped that middleweight, I would have went in the Hall of Fame in one ballot. You know that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, with those defenses. Mm-hmm. But, but being competitive, where now I am competing against myself. Mm-hmm. And that could be good, that could be bad. But the goals must be realistic and not unrealistic. And that's where I think my success came in at. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you about that success. You know, you you ran off a win streak, you know, after that first loss and you were serious about the sport from 1990 all the way to 93. And then you fought uh, someone that was highly touted, Olympian, should have been an Olympic gold medalist, but we all know what happened to him there in, in Seoul, you know, South Korea by the name of Roy Jones Jr. Um, that fight, what did you learn in that fight to make you elevate even more as a fighter after that? Because then you won the IBF title uh, just, what, two years later? Like a year and a half, two years later. So what, what and then became that, then you ran off that defense record of 20 straight yeah. defenses. Well, I don't think that would have happened if I wouldn't have lost that fight with Roy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think losing that fight to Roy, uh, of course, not wanting to lose, mm-hmm. um, I was devastating. But I wasn't devastating to the point where I took off like I did in 88. Yeah. It, it motivated me to never to feel that feeling again because mm-hmm. it was a feeling I didn't like. I didn't never, I didn't, I never got comfortable when with losing. And um, I came back strong. I wanted to come back strong. I trained. I studied uh, tapes. Um, I uh, adjust my style. If you notice a little bit more than, uh, a lot more than I used to do. I used to be real aggressive when I first started fighting. If you watch film, mm-hmm. yeah, that, uh, I was more aggressive early on. And then I start being more of a counter puncher, more both, and then a, a mixed bag of everything. That's right. That was That's part right. of the longevity because I see that I had the skills, which a lot of people don't have to do more than just one thing. Mm-hmm. I can box going backwards, sideways. Uh, I know a lot of old tricks. That's right. I start saying old tricks with the ref don't see. <laughs> <laughs> I put all these things together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and these talents cannot be identified just for one thing. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to be mentally disciplined, to continue to think that way and train that way and do that way, I think that was part of, again, that recipe of longevity. Yes. Because yes. now you got to, now when you fight someone, they're watching, they're studying, they got to do all these things to try to beat you. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people don't have the patience, let alone the talent to match all those attributes. Think about it. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Talking here with the great Bernard Hopkins, 35th episode of Where They At. My name is Debate Owls. And uh, Bernard, now you... After you beat um Segundo Mercado, now first of all, that was that that draw was ridiculous in Ecuador. If I didn't get that draw, I wouldn't have got out of there. Uh huh. Yep. A la what Marvin Hagler went through against Alan Minter in England, like he he you saw what was going on. Right, right, deep, deep, and then you won the rematch against uh, Mercado easily, leading to Landover Maryland. Landover Maryland, yes, indeed. Yep. That's right. Yes. And then you had the middleweight tournament. It had Keith Holmes, yourself, William Joppy, Felix Trinidad. Now, Trinidad was seen as the man blowing out everyone in welterweight, blowing out everyone in 154. That fight with Fernando Vargas, still one of the great fights I've ever seen, for sure. Um, And then it happened, you know, you beat Keith Holmes easily. And then 9-11 happened. The fight was supposed to be September 15th. That then it was postponed the 29th. Those talk about those two weeks between the 15th and 29th, how eager you were, you wanted to get in that ring and how, I mean, what was you, were you like, really like, I got to get in there. I got, or were you just very patient and body and time to wait for the 29th? Well, I, I was both. I was patient, but also I was kind of optimistic because I didn't know whether the fight was going to happen or not. I was more leaning into it. The fight wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I thought for some strange reason that Don King has got something up his sleeve and they're going to say the fight's not happening. I let my guard down and the fight is happening. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody could leave the, the, I mean, New York to, to go to Philly or anywhere else. Matter of fact, I think that, yeah, no, I know the planes is grounded because Tito was going out to every firehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, yeah, helping um, and 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 actual first actual, responders and everything, first responders and, and giving them you know high praises for doing what they was doing, and and, and I've done uh, a little bit of, of of interviews and things like that, and I told Brother Nazim, and I don't know if you heard this, but it's out there. Um, we don't know if the fight's going to happen. Nobody's telling us nothing. We're not getting a response from Don King. We're not really expecting it, but we got his van. We had a white van. I said to Nazim, I said, man, let's go to Harlem, man. They ain't going to bomb Harlem. Let's go to Harlem and train. Uh-huh. Manhattan. I'm, you heard about that? Yes, indeed. Did you hear about what I said? Let's go to Harlem because they ain't going to bomb Harlem. They trying to bomb the trade center. That's, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I think, I'm just making sure. I want to put words in your mouth. No, it's all right. told the media, God rest Nazim's soul. Yes, you know, and I was about to ask you about right out. Yeah. Okay, but we'll get to that. But listen, yes, sir. When Nazim said to the reporter, he said, I don't want to sound insensitive. I'll never forget it. He had his kufi on. <laughs> he said, Bernard looked at me and said, Nazim, Don King is up to this. Because I was that, that's my thinking. Yep. Man. Like, like, I ain't say he had anything to do with 9-11, but he going to capitalize on that. That's right. And we ain't going to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I said, let's go to Harlem. Mm-hmm. They ain't going to bomb Harlem. That's the hood. Yep. They, they bomb the, they, they bomb in the financial district. Let's go to Harlem and figure out. So we went to Harlem. We took Don Van. He was pissed. Because I didn't stay down in Lower Manhattan at the St. Regis. Mm-hmm. 
Nazim and it was at the, at that time it was cross street from the um from the uh, Madison Square Garden. I forgot what it was called. Southgate. It was a oh, yeah, Southgate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yo, mm-hmm. when I told you duck punches, right? <laughs> Nazim was at Southgate because Don King and them thought that I was going to be standing at Southgate. I threw the flag down, so they had them out there with drums That's all right. night. That's right. And the drums thought they was keeping me up all night. So mm-hmm. I put one of my guys named Stephen Parker. His name is Sharif. Okay. And he'd been with me 27 years, so I retired. I put wow. him in my room. He was so pissed at me because he didn't get no sleep. He said they kept ringing the phone. They was marching outside. And I have a timeshare that I own today. Over 20 years, I had this timeshare from the Bahamas, but I can go different places and use my points. Wow. So, I didn't want Don and them to know where I was staying. Mm-hmm. This is the thinking again. <laughs> I knew they was going to try to harass me all the way up to the fight, right? That's right. Yep. I stayed at the Lower Manhattan at the St. Regis. You know what's that at? Oh, yep. yeah, of course. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And all my guys had the free rooms at Southgate. It ain't Southgate now. There's another called something else. Affinia. The Affinia. Yeah, yeah. Listen, man, they were so pissed that I wasn't there. Man, we were trying to call you for this interview. Where you stand at? I said, I'm at Southgate. Uh, listen, even, even in my personal life, we kept, kept me out of the institution for almost 30 years. If you do the math, came home in 88. Yep. Been about almost 20, 29 years since I've been home with a legacy. When I started thinking ahead, planning ahead, and being prepared, wherever it happens, I must move forward. That's the way I think. I don't care if it's small or big. Here mm-hmm. I'm already planning when I go down there where I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. When they announced that the fight was going to happen, we eventually got out of New York City because they eventually opened up a bridge, but the planes were still grounded. While Tio was down there visiting all the firehouses, being praised for being the guy that has, you know, I can say justifiably so uh, 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 compassionate about what happened. Mm-hmm. I did too, but I handled it different because I knew that I had to stay focused and mm-hmm. disciplined no matter what happened. I had to mm-hmm. be a little selfish. Yeah. And, and guess what? That's how bad I wanted this. Can you understand That's right. that any person would have fell to the, the horror, the pain, the frustration, the worriness, scared. It would have been easy justified if I got beat up, knocked out, I lost the fight and said, look, I blame it on 9-11. You would have bought it, but after a week went by, it would have been, mm-hmm. it would been forgotten. Right. I understood that I had to be selfish. Let's go to Brooklyn. No, let's go to Harlem. Harlem. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Harlem because they're not going to bomb the ghetto. Quote, Brother Nazim Richardson told the reporters that. They came and asked me, did you say that you... No, I say absolutely. That's the new word that people use now. That's what I said. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and B-Hop. 
when that fight happened, you know, with Tito, like, let me tell you, I, I was one of the few people that thought you would win that fight, but I thought you would get robbed by this, by the scorecards. That's, I was saying, you know, B-Hop's going to do enough to win this fight. I would have got robbed. He was winning. They had him winning until I knocked him out. Oh, no, 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 no. The, 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 the three judges had you. You had unanimous. Okay, yeah, you did. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, you had... Yeah, you were the one by decision. Absolutely, Biop. Absolutely. Yeah, because I know one judge so you had don't it. Think, you don't think they would have gave it a draw? Well, well, the scorecards had you until the 12th. You know, going into the 12th. You you were winning. Oh, for sure. No, no, they that wouldn't... But, but you can see how my paranoia was. I dig that. I knocked him yes. Out. Yes. And you did and you went after him. That's the thing. And after that, and then pretty much you had him hurt from that 10th round, that no uppercut. That uppercut. Well, hold up. And I'm not just saying it's because we're partners now. Mm -hmm. You know why I went after him? Why? I watched that Delahoya, and I said this in many interviews. Against I watched that Delahoya fight with him. That's right. When Delahoya backed off, mm -hmm. he gave a fight to him. That's right. I always said Tito. I always said Tito would have been the reason he gave yeah. them the reason because the magnitude of the fight, they're not looking for you to back up. That's right. That's right. They're looking for you to come forward. And 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 B Hop in that fight, Tito looked horrible against Dela. The first three, four rounds, Dela Dela could have knocked slow. him out early. He was slow. Tito feet, his legs was unorthodox, which means. He like he was flat footed. He went up on his toes, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Oscar just looked at flat. Oscar just looked at a more fresh, more, 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 more quick, more accurate. It looked like a tractor trailer versus a Ferrari early on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. Pick off the draw, right? He was trying to get that left hook, and he was set. This mm -hmm. why I can't watch him do this, and then he let the left hand go every time he breaks. This is coming, not this. Mm -hmm. That's he right. He didn't try to fool you with that. He had a basic one, two, hit you. One, two, hit you. And he had to get a rhythm. Mm -hmm. Why do you think I always That jab. You? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then you worked him off the ropes. That was another thing. You were beating him off the ropes. Because I needed him to come in as long as I kept him at a distance mm -hmm. where I can use those ropes and my ability to my advantage, and when it get too hot and it get too close, then I must exit out. And I went out not running. I went out on a circle, and then I used him and made him turn around. Tito cannot fight you when you're making him turn left or right. He only going to be aggressive and throw his hard punches when you go straight back at him. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. You know, and 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 Bernard. And, and one key thing is mm -hmm, when you mm -hmm. make those moves, you got to make it like a like the the Roman back in the days. You got to have your shield up. Yes. See, yes. because once that connect, you fire back. Mm -hmm. He wasn't ready for that. He wasn't ready for that quick response. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you uh, you had the faster hands too. That was another yeah. thing. You know that, that was crazy. And, and I was older. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. You won. You were 36, 36 when you won that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, and Bernard now with that fight, I'll never forget Jay-Z going crazy. I saw. I don't know if you ever saw the tape of that fight, but Jay-Z was, was going sitting up front. Tito. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But then he, he he was he was cheering for you after like after the after the night, of course. But, you know, those are people people like switch sides, you know. This is, I'm glad you said that because I I I because I, 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 I would never brought it up 
But I did speak about it many times. And I ain't no grudge about that. It's no, it's no like a thing. We have a chance. Listen, and, and I'm not on that thing because it's popular today to say, man, you should have been with me. We both brown boxers. We both brown people, me and Tito, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I never forget it. And that's, that's what me and Damon Dash became real cool. Yeah. Because... Uh, Jay-Z was there, but he betted my guy named Malik. And you bet Malik before. Malik been with me 27 years. Mm -hmm. Paul Brown's kid. You see, the, you see the picture, you'd be like, yeah, I seen him around, bro. Malik been with me almost three decades. Our birthday is the same day. Mm. Um, he bet Jay-Z. He bet Jay-Z. Um, that's why I'm telling you Jay-Z was going for Tito. Yeah. And Malik bet him. And when I knocked Trinidad down, you see Jay-Z grabbing one of his balls and he it's, holds them. Exactly. Look, doing this, looking, doing this. But he never paid Malik. I told Malik, it's been 28 years. He's a billionaire now. He can, he, he, he if wow. you, if you somehow lucky enough to remind him about that. I don't know how it's going to happen. See, <laughs> Meek Mills from Philadelphia. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we cut through Meek Mills. Yeah. And you can get Meek Mills to remind them about that 21. I mean, about that uh, uh, 2001. 2001, mm -hmm. excuse me. 2001, uh, Madison Square Garden, where he had the brown shirt on and he's grabbing his ball like this. That's right. He's trying to get up and he's grabbing his ball and he got the hell out of there before he got out of there before 10 count. Mm -hmm. Jay got out of there, man. Yeah. He got out of there, yeah. My and Malik talk about today. I mean, he ain't sorry about it. He was like, "Yo, man, yeah, he's still." I said, "What's your bet, man? He bet about two thousand, I think three thousand. I don't know what it was, but it was more than than a thousand. He said, "Yeah, man, he bet not turn around. He was shooting out the door." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But everybody was there. Jigga, everybody was there, man. Wow. Everybody was there. No doubt. And and, and, and and we seen each other a couple of times in Philly. You know, they have powerhouse music mm -hmm. stuff, right? And uh. You know, it was respect. It was respectfully seeing me, you know, but I, I kept I kept my own. Um, because I always been my own man. I don't know if you knew like like I ain't oh, saying I it myself, mm -hmm. but I never like a lot of those guys came like came to my fight and watched me fight, man. But they really they really respected me, respect me even now because how I ran my business. How I mean I had people working, I had to help, but I I I chose to win or lose being my own man. Mm -hmm. That's 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 kind of risky, you know that. Because yeah. listen, we ain't gonna get too much into politics, but boxers normally controlled by a bigger entity than themselves. Right. Right. And if you don't if you don't ruffle the feathers, then you're gonna get championship fights, you're gonna get bigger paydays and all that. They helped me extend my career even further because I ain't really start getting paid until, I mean, if you're talking about real money, like I supposed yeah. to be getting- De La Hoya, De La Hoya, right? All, yep, all De money- De La Hoya is, fight. Mm -hmm. All money is good money to me, but mm -hmm. I'm talking about my value at that time, like, there was a force out there trying to discourage me either by any means necessary. I mean, though mm -hmm. I just beat this dude, I just beat this dude, and, 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 and I'm getting the same money, but I know it's money that I never would get on the streets or it's money I never get if I was strong arm somebody or whatever. So I was caught between being 
grateful and also being underpaid. Mm, I had to learn a business, man. Yes, indeed. And, yes, indeed. And, 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 and I understood learning a business, I'm going to create a lot of hatred. Right. Towards of course, of course. And because you were always your own man already from the get go, you know, and 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 Bernard wanted to ask you, you, you fought everybody and you were under an underdog for a lot of fights, which I couldn't believe. Underdog against Pavlik. I agree that over 80 percent of my career, I've been an underdog somehow, some shape. <laughs> it's like. You know, it's ridiculous, you know, absolutely ridiculous, because that's the thing, because these younger fighters, like you said before, you said earlier about they don't get the right teaching. You know what I mean? And you had that teaching where you get where you were able to be great and be top three pound for pound in your 40s. You know what yeah. I mean? And and want to ask you your toughest opponent, your toughest opponent in your illustrious career, that one opponent that really gave you a hard time. Roy Jones. Can I mention another one? Oh, yeah, for sure. Antoine Eccles. Ah, that was a that was a foul fest. That second fight. I remember that you hurt your shoulder. You landed on your shoulder. Yep. Yeah. Eccles. Oh, that he could punch. He could punch. Can I name another one? Oh, yep. Arm and dangerous. Robert Allen. A lot of guys would have been champions if I champion if I wasn't there. Wow. Jermaine Taylor. Those two fights with him that you had? I will honestly say it's a split, but the second one would never happen if they would have got it right on the first one. But Jermaine Teller was promoted by a bigger force. Mm -hmm. uh, I knew what I was going into because the bigger force he was promoted by at the time was Luther Bella, who yep. used to mm -hmm. HBO, who mm -hmm. I had a big riff with um, right. at one time. How are you and Lou doing now? How y'all doing now, you and Lou? Oh yeah, we you know we speak with respect, but okay. but the thing is the thing that it's respect, but but the thing is this, um, those two fights with Jermaine Teller ruined them. Mm. Jermaine Teller ain't been right since. He Case was. in point, let me tell you how. Karma, you believe in karma, right? Oh, of course, yes. Let me tell you what karma do, and I think that. You appreciate, disagree, agree. I'm not asking you to do either or be either. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you how I think, how karma is. Jermaine Teller got the first fight by split decision. That means that I could have easily got the benefit of doubt and won that fight. And I was there. I was there at that fight. It's the second uh, fight mm -hmm. would have never happened, mm -hmm. even though that went to the distance. But check this out. Let me tell you what karma do. He fights Kelly Pavlik. He gets stopped. I fight Kelly Pavlik, and what happened? Oh, easy. Easy work. <laughs> so didn't that expose the Jermaine Teller hypocrisy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he's all right. I hope he's doing all right, because, you know, he has he's had some difficulties in his he's, life. He's you know? incarcerated, ain't he? Uh, that's yeah. right. He still I is. I wish him well, man. I have no ill feelings against Jermaine Teller. Mm -hmm. He just was being used. He didn't know. And mm -hmm. a lot, and, and his decisions, why he's there was his decisions. Don't get me wrong. I had nothing to do with boxing. I don't think. I can't really speak on what mm -hmm. I don't know, but I, I believe he, I don't know if he's out, but I believe mm -hmm. he got jammed up with something and, and, and was doing some time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and it's a shame, man. But let me tell you something. 
He was never right after those two fights. Mm. He had Think it. Don't take my word for it. When you get off this pod, when you get off this podcast, or later on next week, or whenever you get a chance, mm-hmm. look at his fights after he fought me. Yep. He jumped on Pavlik maybe two fights or one fight before, then he got on Pavlik. They knew I was going to get smashed because that power that Jermaine Teller had behind him, HBO, HBO mm-hmm. old executive. Mm-hmm. behind him, which is his promoter now, that's Luther Bella. We had a big court case. He won. <sighs> he fights Kelly Pavlik. Kelly Pavlik stops him ugly mm-hmm. with a rope like a rag doll. Yeah. Now I get him again. They know he gonna smash me. <laughs> I told Kelly Pavlik after the fight was over with, this is what the law do. I believe in the law. A law said your loss is not a loss. It's a win, 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 win. And when I told Kelly Pavlik, because I knew it, because I knew they was feeding him false hope and false lies. And we know why. What did I tell him in the corner? You remember that conversation? Did you, did I, I remember that, yes, yes. I said, don't let this fight ruin you. You, that's right. That's right. What did it, do it ruined him. It ruined him. He became alcoholic after that fight. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, man. I've been right too many times to be wrong. Mm-hmm. There's too many. I say it again. I've been right too many times to be wrong about how I look, my vision. And my foresight of a distance of knowing and seeing things. Now, I'm no psyche. Mm-hmm. I only can deal with stuff from my experience and my instincts. My instincts is my intuition. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can do is react off that. Not emotionally, not recklessly, but the way I've been doing it. And guess what? It's hard to convince me that that's not an entity that I should use to I die. Mm-hmm. Facts. Facts. Here on Where They At, 35th episode with the great Bernard Hopkins, legendary fighter. What's the state of Golden Boy Promotions? I know you have a big card, December 5th, Ryan Garcia, you know, Luke Campbell, you know, like, so talk about the the state of Golden Boy and the young athletes y'all got. Mm -hmm. Well, the state of Golden Boy right now is doing what all promoters are doing, but we're not doing what they're doing because we're doing what needs to be done based on protocol, based on Mm-hmm. The state of the world right now, at least the United States, but I'll say the world, um, we're being careful. We still are, we still doing fights. Um, but the big one is coming up this year with Brian, as you mm-hmm. just mentioned. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that fight for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. um, especially a couple of days ago. Um, Tank Davis. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and Leo Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. that fight, mm-hmm. and to always and all and, and to look at the time table between December and twenty one, um, hoping and looking forward to be different than twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that division, man, 
That's uh, leading into 21. Lord, yeah. That's what we need right now. Yes. Like in sports, mm -hmm. we need that type of buzz, excitement mm -hmm. to go into 21. With a lot of things, personally, a lot of things bigger than sports, obviously, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. this is American pastime alone with football, basketball, baseball, and all this, when it comes to these type of fights. Mm -hmm. This is what I think should happen. I've been saying this the last couple of months. There needs to be a lightweight super six, period. And these Ooh. are the fighters who I think should be Lomachenko, Tank Davis, Teofimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Joseph Diaz. Throw them all in and do a, do a, do a six-man tournament. There you go. Oh, uh, those are the right. Those are the six. The right six fighters. All those cats, I right? Name, only thing I would have named the same ones but different way. <laughs> <laughs> the names would have been different. Yeah, yeah. One would have been on the top. One would have been on the bottom. But they all would have been in that six. Yes, that six. Yeah, yeah. There's no That's particular cool. order. <laughs> yes. You know what, man. Yo, that's half a year right there. That's like Ooh. a whole year of boxing. Yes, indeed. Dates and all that because you could spread those fights out because all of them are main events. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. First yeah. of all, you can take any of the May and September, Secret de Mayo and Independence, and, 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 and then in between that, give content in the summer where boxing is normally slow. But since we got to play a little catch up, hold up. Here's mm -hmm. my promoter hat. <laughs> <laughs> That you got to play a little catch up with 2020. Mm -hmm. That middle is not going to be. It's not going to be a sleeper no more because that right. middle of that May and September is going to be content of the other four fighters that need to be put together to make the tournament even bigger going into the fall in 2022. Yes, yes. Yes, that you see that right there, and and people in the you fights. Got me, the, you got me so anxious for 20, 21, 2021 right now, man. Oh man, man, that's what's up. That's what because that's the thing. We all got to see the best fight the best for sure. And and speaking of the best, pound for pound, Canelo. There's no question about it. I've always thought he was pound for pound even before Lomachenko's loss. Um, I mean, the contenders at 160, 168, 175 is pretty crazy. Like the Charlos yeah. and, and Andre and, oh, and those two brothers, man. I love them, man. They, they, they true to their game. Mm -hmm. They discipline. They support mm -hmm. each other. And let me tell you something, man. They going to be a problem for a while. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And, and, and who in the Canelo, do you think he should, he should, really fight all those cats or kind of take his time with because there's a lot of people there's all you know I you mean know I, think fight? I think he should fight he should clean out the middleweight division okay don't don't go after a better BF uh, no, no don't okay not yet okay mm -hmm. clean out the middleweight division mm -hmm. and then 75 or 68 mm -hmm. whatever Canelo wants to do after he clear out the 160 mm -hmm. it's basically he be carrying that star power even further into another division like he's been jumping around anyway. Mm -hmm. So you see what he did to the crusher? That's right. Who beat me? He mm -hmm. slaughtered Kovalev. Mm -hmm. So my, my thing is, 
You know, Canelo ain't getting young either. He just turned what 30, 30 years, 31, 31 years old, right? 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, Dangerous fights for him there that that won't be a cakewalk, mm-hmm. but I think that the Cholo brother, well, Cholo deserves to get a shot mm-hmm. at the middleweight throne, mm-hmm. and then Camelo gets past anything in the middleweight division that's dangerous with the fight in hand. Right. Then you go ahead and pick your own spot and say, look, I want to fight such and such at 68. I want to fight such and such at 75. Of course, the fans got to love it. People got to want to see it mm-hmm. because I don't think he's going to want to fight anything else that, that doesn't have that threat to him. When you get at that level, man, you don't want to fight no tomato can. That's right. Oh, not at all, especially with that the zone contract. Bernard, now, um, I wanted to go into... Uh, Brother Nassim, one of the most class, one of the classiest individuals I've ever met in my life. A great sage, you know. Um, wow, that that was really really tough that he went through a lot, you know, health wise um, before he passed away. So um, talk about what what you know he means to you and what you think about every time when it comes well, to Nassim Richardson. I would, you know, I was at the you know his his janazza. Mm-hmm. Um, Brother Nassim's been always. Like one of those pick your brain from Bowie Fisher. That's right. Mm-hmm. And other trainers that he, you know, met through the travels of of working with me and others. Mm-hmm. And he was an amateur coach and respected in amateurs around the world. I mean, everybody knows Brother Nazim. Mm-hmm. And oh man, 27 years. You know, we've been together a long time, man. Yeah. And and Nazim. Always had a story for you. You know how you love to interview him. Yep. All Nazim was in the interview because he comes up with all, you know, all, all the kinds of sayings. Swim when I get wet. How the hell are you going to swim? <laughs> if you swimming, you're in water. How the hell are you going to swim and don't get wet? You got to be a badass. You're in the wrong business. You shouldn't be in boxing if you can swim when I get wet. That's right. <laughs> then he, he come up with these codes and, and, and eventually... We we get a plan together, and they start calling out codes while I'm in in in, in, in sparring. Mm-hmm. And then he'll do it in the fight time, especially in the corner. Nazim never was quiet in the corner. You always heard Nazim. Right. He always was true to game, uh, loyal. Just couldn't kick bad habits of eating. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Nazim enjoyed himself. That diabetes. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, he had a lot of things. Diabetes, stroke. And, yeah. and but 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 you know what, man? He left a legacy. And he died young. You know, Nazim was 54 years old. Yeah, that's that's scary. Me and Nazim was the same age. Yeah. And, and let me tell you, I'm not brand, I'm I feel like man, literally, if you see me like, but no, how much you weigh, B? I'll be telling you, man. What I fought, 175, I weighed no less than 184. Mm-hmm. That's right. You always what you always catch your I'm talking your, about with, with, with pants, shoes, and a shirt. 
like I got on now. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. guarantee you I'm not one over 185. Right. And I stopped at 52. Not 50, 52. My last fight was at 52. So, so I'm 55. Mm-hmm. 56 January. But mm-hmm. Nazim, man, was, 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 was a teacher. Like I said, half hour ago, mm-hmm. they're trainers and they're teachers. Yes. You can't just be given a title of a teacher. You got to accomplish some things, man. You got to work with them. I mean, he's Shane Mosley, myself. Come on, mm-hmm. man. Ivan Robinson. Yeah. Woo. Yes. Oh, man. Ivan Robinson. Woo. That's right. That's right, Gay. Like Alvin Robinson. That's right. Oh, he dominated. And that's the thing. That's what Floyd, like Floyd kept saying when everyone was talking about Gaddy had a chance of getting Floyd. And I'm if he had no Roy Jones said if he had trouble with Ivan Robinson, <laughs> what's gonna happen with Floyd? <laughs> now I know I know you have to get going. I want to ask you a couple more questions, but now the whole thing about older fighters, great fighters. Uh, transcendent fighters. We have Oscar De La Hoya, who, you know, your partner, Golden Boy. Then we have Roy Jones and the Mike Tyson match later this month. Um, wh- only, wh- fight, wh- only fight people, listen. If yeah. You, fight, you see my last fight. Mm-hmm. You yeah. only fight people that's your age. <laughs> okay, dig. Right. <laughs> Are you concerned about Roy going in there with my, Mike's head? Because, you know, Roy's been. You know what Roy should do? Go to a nursing home and find somebody his age, mm-hmm. and, and 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 let them take a, a blood uh, a stress test. You gotta take a stress test. You got mm-hmm. why you think it's an exhibition? Because they never gotta take any tests. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see that fight, man. I'm yeah. not a hater. I respect Roy. We I consider Roy. He might say different when he see this 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 interview. But my thing is, and, and I, I doubt it, but we 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 buried the hatchet, we cool, mm-hmm. we one and one, I can live with that. Um Mike is a different animal, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Mike could be 80 years old, I wouldn't fight Mike. Yep. Yep. And to see Mike, even though hitting the pads is different than sparring, even hitting the pads, man made me kind of feel like, damn, Roy, like, do you really want that smoke, man? And especially with the knockouts, those devastating knockouts he's had in recent years. Listen, listen, he get hit with one of those shots. Even if it glaze him, even if the shot, you know, like ricochet, Mm -hmm. it could be a problem. Yeah. Roy Jones is not the Roy Jones of yesterday. How is he going to navigate and get away from this man? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if you're having an exhibition or not. You grew up in the hood. Mm-hmm. You start off flat boxing until your lip get busted. Y'all rumbling. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's you right. turn on to that slap box. All right. Soon <laughs> somebody get cracked. That whole y'all rumbling like cats and dogs, man. Ain't nobody going through that. Yeah. Yep. Listen, that's why you must do all you can while you can before you become old. Wow. 
Because you try to make up time when it already had passed is dangerous. It's playing, it's playing Russian roulette even more as you reach that age and that moment. There's nothing else to fight for. You won belts. You won heavyweight champion from being a middleweight. You won middleweight championship, lightweight championship. Mm -hmm. You didn't done everything you possibly can do in your 28, whatever years you have done. And now you sit for many years. Your body deteriorates as you get older, no matter how good you feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you hate yourself that bad where you want to get in with damn Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and speaking of that, Bernard, Oscar, like your partner, wh what is his fascination getting back in the ring? That's another, that's an it seems like another example of that. Well, I think it's more of a fascination. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> dang, dang. <laughs> Roy Jones is talking about, now he didn't postpone one time, I think, or somebody postponed it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go on record and say the fight ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Another yeah. postponement, y'all not gonna another postponement of this fight, y'all want y'all don't want to hear it no more. Yeah, right, right. Which will be a blessing, yeah. blessing in disguise. <laughs> Listen, man, even though it's an exhibition, if Something if, if Roy Jones get hurt, you know what that's going to do for boxing? Mm. It's going to be on the mainstream conversation about how bad our sport is, right? Why they shouldn't have licensed to fight, even though it's an exhibition. Why boxing is dangerous, they shouldn't have been fighting. Mm. Well, it wasn't sanctioned, it shouldn't have been a way to get around it. This mm. might. Just say it happens for some weird reason. This might be the fight that medically changed boxing where fighters retire and they can't come back. Wow. After a certain amount of age. Wow. I don't know if that's possible, but anything is possible. Donald Trump won the presidency. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I don't look at something as being impossible. I say you never know. Wow. That's the key. When, when things happen, they're going to forget about exhibition. They're going to think it's a real fight. Yep. This thing is being promoted like, you know, if it goes off, like it's a real big fight. You got people that want to see the fight. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. They forget about, oh, you know, it's only an exhibition and it's two minutes around. Come on, man, who gonna, who gonna, who gonna, when they get doing commercials and they get to promoting this thing a week or two before fight, you get to tuxedo on, you coming like as a Mike Tyson versus Razor Ruddick. Yeah, right, right, right. And, and Bernard was crazy. I was at my local sports bar, right? And it's like, we're having the Tyson Jones, so I'm like, I nearly, I was eating, I nearly threw up. And my head is going, in my head, right? Am yeah. I right? Oh, God, yep. Yep. You had the sports bar. You like, well, hold up, wait a minute. They promote this thing like it's yeah. like, like, I, like, 
like the 90s. Right. And I was talking about Lomachenko Lopez. I was like, that's the fight. You know what I they mean? Don't like, hear that. <sighs> <laughs> right, right. I'm I, not listen, I don't know the deal far as money-wise. I just hope, man, that if it happens, which I hope it don't, that nobody gets seriously hurt, man. Will become a thing where I gotta step out of my house and the first thing because I'm Bernard Hopkins. Neighbors, questions. I, hey man, I don't want to deal with that. Wow, wow, and, and you understand but, what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I dig that. And speaking of boxing and the struggles it's going through, and UFC and mixed martial arts is just going through the roof. Like, how? What can boxing do, Bernard? To because boxing still has the skill set. Boxing is still a noble sport. You know, it's not it's not a microwave like UFC is that it's it's microwave culture kind of. But boxing still is like filet mignon, you know, and how can boxing get back to the level that MMA is at right now? Regulations. Mm -hmm. Serious regulations. Um, They say, no, we don't need anybody in, 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 in our business. We can we can police ourselves. No, we can't. You must have serious, serious unions of former fighters who is equipped, equipped with knowledge mm-hmm. and backed up with experienced lawyers or educators that can guide a union of fighters like basketball, like baseball, like hockey. Mm -hmm. We don't have a a team of former fighters that can be in a board meeting talking about the best possible structure for fighters, why the powers to be are so intimidated of a fighters union, a fighters union where we can protect and also have a voice at the table for things that's improper or done unethical until we get that we're not going to be taken serious in America sports and it hasn't been done in Ali days Sugar Ray Leonard days my days or any other days of fighters great ones or championship ones or any level of, of, of boxing talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why mainstream media, unless it's big fights, don't respect us. And, and I'm not happy to say that to you. I'm, I'm talking facts. People can disagree or agree with me, but if boxing generates and hundreds of millions, in some cases, depending on what big fight it is, in sales and all kinds of stuff they're marketing, billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they paying certain fighters, they're not making the money that Mayweather, Oscar, or myself made. But 
there is a lot of money that's made in foreign sales, uh, 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 retail, wholesale. I mean, pay-per-view, um, big companies coming. You got the zone. Mm-hmm. You, there's a lot of money in boxing, but it's not treated with respect in mainstream business sports. Yeah, that's that's deep right there. And, and- we like we like the red light district. You should mm-hmm. pick that. Remember what I said that quote. Uh, anywhere you go, there's a red light. Mm-hmm. If you're married, your wife won't want you in that room. That's right. <laughs> Facts. Facts. If you have a girlfriend. Your wife don't want you in that room. <laughs> yes, Anything with red light is not a place where you want to be at and you call yourself a church man. That's right, exactly. <laughs> and I remember you said you never went to the clubs and anything like that, you know, like <laughs> at all, you know. Traps. They call traps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Wow. And, and Bernard, um, real quick, I'm going to do a quick game with you. One sentence, because uh, I'm a boxing historian. I love and I know you are, of course, you know, I'm going to name. Interview, man. It was a real like, uh, um, uh, you know, the twi- the twists and turns. And um, I, I think it, it, to me, it was a great interview. Some laughs, some jokes, some seriousness, some educational. You gave some, I gave some. Um, I, wow. Appreciate I you. Want to enjoy it. But, but let me sure. finish what you was about to say uh, about. One sentence. Yes, yes, indeed. One sentence about I'm going to name a fighter past or present, you know, because I always love to talk with legendary fighters about other fighters, you know. All right. Now, now, James Tony. Skillful. Mm -hmm. Do you wish you fought James Tony? Because y'all never collided. You know, we was on the front cover. We supposed to. Okay. when? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Look it up. I think it was. Uh. Uh, I think it was like maybe 2004 or 5. We couldn't get the deal. Okay, okay. Because it would have been the catchway because you were light heavy at that time. He was heavy. So would it? Yeah, okay, okay. One of the best uh, uh, shoulder rolls in boxing. Amazing. And y'all both fought off those ropes like it was easy. Both mm-hmm. of you, you know, absolutely. That would have been a boxing clinic with both of you guys, so for sure. Uh, Jack Johnson. That's a, that's a fight I easily could have lost in one. Mm-hmm. My advantage was Tony always had to get in shape four weeks for the fight. I would have been in shape four years before the fight. That's, <laughs> that's right, because James only sparred. That's all he did, just sparred. <laughs> well, no. He didn't he didn't run, he didn't do none of that. He just sparred and got in shape. Yes. So I knew I had to take him in deep water and then take his take his uh, uh, safe, uh, what they call it, life jacket off. Him. That's, that's right. That's right. Go that body. You know, <laughs> definitely. Wow. The doggy paddle. <laughs> wow. Pernell Whitaker. Pernell Whitaker. Pernell Whitaker. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Witty. Yes. Very witty. Yes. God rest his soul. Witty, witty, witty and, and, and smart and one of the best matadors mm-hmm. in boxing. You know the matador at the pool? With the, yeah. With the pool. Mm-hmm. That's right. The pool in Spain, España. <laughs> yes, indeed. Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson to you. Oh. Stud. Mm-hmm. Yes. Stud. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Wow. Carlos Monzon. Mm. 
The record you broke. You broke his record. Bone crusher. Mm -hmm. Not Mm -hmm. the heavyweight bone crusher. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Bone crusher. Tall, rangy, punch his ass off. Wow, no doubt. No doubt. Wow. Oh, um, Mike McCallum. Mm. The artist. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Body snatcher. <laughs> when he fights, he's like painting. Smooth. And go ahead, because I got one for you. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, oh, George Foreman. Mummy. <laughs> yep. Not quick. Not on his feet. Not in his hands. But once he gets you in the corner... He do what a mummy do. He smother you. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And those two careers, which is amazing, remarkable, in two of the best eras of heavyweight boxing, he excelled in those eras. It's crazy. Oh, I wow. think he had three careers. The last one, uh-huh. marketing. Marketing. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> He's doing now, what? Can I, can I name my fighter? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Cobra, Donald Curry. Oh, that cat had everything. Everything. Could box, you know could I, slug. You know I'll call him in boxing? When mm-hmm. he had his shag haircut? Mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, smooth that's, operator. That's right, that's right, because he had the Jerry Curl. <laughs> well, that was Michael Alonzo Day. Uh, oh, Michael Alonzo Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's but right. Curry. Had the bush. Had the bush. Oh, okay. But it kind of looked like curls, right? From what I remember. It might have been. He might have did that for one or two fights, but it was (laughs) more like a bush. But Michael Lajaday had the Mm -hmm. curls. That's right. That's right. Yes. And and, and then uh, that I remember, I'll never forget the uh, that fight with Iran Barkley between him and Lajaday. It was was too much. Joe Kazagi. A bunch of a bunch of bees stinging you, but they never killed you. Uh huh. Uh huh. Fast hands. Not a big puncher, but enough to distract you. And anybody been chased by a bee nest, uh, uh, bees that come out of a, a hornet nest, you're running and you swapping. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's how he punched. He. This guy, when I thought, man, this guy punches like a machine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Worthy, worthy champion. Wow. I don't know. The thing with him, and I'm getting, he fought you and Roy like, he didn't, it's not like he fought y'all. Yeah. You feel me? You were smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But that fight against Jeff Lacey, not Jeff Lacey, I'm sorry, Um, Byron Mitchell. His fight with Byron Mitchell showed me a lot about Kazagi. Showed me a lot. You yeah, know. Hard he got heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because he was out on his feet and then knocked Mitchell out later that round. I was like, okay, I respect Kazagi now. You know, definitely. Wow. So Harry Greb, another great middleweight like yourself. Tough. Tough. Mm-hmm. My, my greatest middleweight is two fighters. Mm-hmm. One, I took a page out of his book by being disciplined. That's marvelous, Marvin Hackler. Of course. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. 
Wow. He took on two tough Philadelphia fighters and beat them. They beat him, and then he wound up revenging those beat, beat, um, beat downs. That's right. Eddie Briscoe and Willie Warrell. He avenged every one of his losses, and those Boogie two Watts. losses. And Boogaloo Watts. Boogaloo Watts, yep. Yep. And those and they they could fight. Man, oh man. They they had everything themselves. Wow. And, and last but not least, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Wow. Oh. Rubberneck. Mm -hmm. Listen, <laughs> the shoulder roll, he didn't invent it, but he mastered it the best that it ever. You know what? When somebody invents something, they normally the best. Mm -hmm. Floyd showed that that's not always pot. That's not always true. Mm -hmm. He took the shoulder roll and started a generation door. Mm -hmm. I see guys get beat the hell up trying to do that. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> like you can't. Yes. <laughs> like, like, like you gotta have certain shape of head to try to show room. Mm -hmm. Because if you got one of those long heads, I don't care how much you roll, you gonna get hit. That's right, that's right. Floyd master the touch and feel response the way he fight. Touch, boom, touch, boom. Mm -hmm. Like he get to the point, you get to the point where you don't wanna you kind of trying to sneak and punch him. Think about that yeah. in your mind. You <laughs> punch somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yep, yep. And and the thing is that he hit a he hit hard just enough, just enough. So when you're like, oh, let me not try to bum rush him now. Ways exactly. kind of stings a little bit <laughs> because now he got your mind thinking about sneaking a punch in instead of punching. When you're trying to sneak a punch in, you don't want to be hurt. Yep. Yep. And he know that you're doing it because he set you up to do it. It's like a person, it's like a person, I know you're a pickpocketer, right? So I'm gonna have my wallet up a little bit so you can see it. I know I ain't gotta watch you, but I know you're close. And guess what? And as soon as you think you took it, I got a long chain on it about that long. Yes, that's right. Well, and, and once the chain jerk, I know you got it. Bam, boom, bop, boop, bop. <laughs> Facts, yes, indeed. <laughs> well, and, and last question for you, Bernard. And I want to say I thank you so much for being on Where They At, 35th edition. What you've done for the sport and what you exhibited, but also too just being around you throughout the years, seeing you at different functions and everything really. And I interviewed you um, when I did a boxing show with Teddy Atlas and, and uh, Tim Smith, you know, like we, we, we did an interview with you. So it was just, I, I said, I had to get you on the show for sure, because um, the perspective you have is just tremendous and it's unique. Um, and, and I wanted to ask you this question. You can include yourself if you want to. Top five pound for pound of all time. Sugar Ray Robinson. Mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Marvin Sagler. I said Marvin, right? Uh, no, no. This is Marvin this is third. Yep, this is the third. Marvin 
Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. Carlos Mazzone. Now you expect me to be one of those five. I believe I'm in the top 10 based on time and history. So I ain't going to let ego and I ain't going to let anything to put me there because the being a circle of the middleweight, the lightweight, the, the welterweight, the junior welterweight, um, it won't be fair for me. It won't be fair to the legacy all that. I know that in my weight division, in my time, I'm much higher than six. But when I look at, say, Mayweather with an undefeated record, when I look at other people that came up in different eras who might got two or three losses or 20 losses, but they got damn near 300 fights, like Ray Robinson. Archie Moore, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a <laughs> like We don't even throw salt on the game and talk about they went 15 rounds, man. Yes, indeed. We ain't talk about they fought six times in one month. And he was the oldest champion until um, George Ford broke his mouth. They fought six, seven times in one month. That's right. That's right. <laughs> every three or four months. Yep. What are we talking about? Mm -hmm. I'm number six on that list, man. Know what it's based on? My accomplishments on everything that I've done. The oldest champion. How many guys can say they fought into their 50s and were defending their titles at 50? Yeah, right. See, that's what I'm trying to tell you where I put myself at. Because you start looking at all those factors, even those eight losses, two or three of them could be disputed. But I ain't going to get into that. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to tell you is, guess what? Only me and George Foreman are the oldest fighters that ever won a championship and defending that. True? Right. I broke right. his record. Mm -hmm. Hagler, Mazzone, had a defense record in the middleweight division. Who's going to be 20 anytime soon? Oh, that's not, that's not happening. Yeah, right. That's they not. try to promote like Triple G. Triple G, I was about to say he was close, but, but who did he fight? Who did he fight? No, no. But listen, even mm -hmm. if, but they wanted him to break that record. Mm -hmm. I know he didn't fight the people I fought, but if he would have beat Canelo, but look how Karma worked. You know what Karma did? Karma made me a promoter, promoting a fighter that I'm promoting to make him stop Triple G from breaking my record. Uh -huh. I couldn't write this script. <laughs> I told you luck is my enemy, right? Mm -hmm. You can't say luck. You can't say, how many times can I be lucky in my life to say, well, Bernard, you know, that was kind of unfortunate for you. That was kind of lucky for you. That was kind of luck. Well, uh, I walked off nine years parole without nobody knowing me in the world of boxing. And I lost my first fight. That was luck. Well, see, yeah, that, I'm impressed with that. But you know, that, that you know, you, what, what kind of excuse is you going to come up with now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here I'm promoting Canelo, who stopped Triple G from breaking my record that the media want to see be broken. Mm. Mm. And guess what, B-Hop? You know what was interesting, too? How Canelo... Listen to this. Both 
two different styles. The first fight, you know what I mean? They were talking, okay, well, why he get in the in the pocket with Listen, Triple G? I ain't mm-hmm. taking no credit for Canelo's success, but I'm pretty sure Canelo watches old fight tapes of other people. Absolutely. He always talks about Floyd. The Floyd no. fight changed him. Well, you I know? told everybody, and you heard me say this, mm-hmm. that Floyd fight, like my fight with Roy Jones, made Canelo who he is today. Yep. Facts. Absolutely. Every fighter don't learn from a whooping. Every fighter don't learn from a lesson. They take offensive to it. They take it personal. I never took it personal. I took it as a badge of honor, even though I didn't like the taste of it. But I knew that if it didn't kill me, it would do what? Make you stronger. (laughs) Good night, my brother. Yes, indeed. Bernard, I appreciate you. Thank you for being on where they're at. Blessings. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the 35th episode of Where They At with the great Bernard Hopkins, one of the great boxers of the last three decades, one of the great middleweights of all time, and a truly inspirational individual from where he came from, a life of crime to excelling in boxing and excelling now in business, being a partner with Golden Boy Promotions. I mean, he's a true inspirational story and his discipline speaks for itself. For him to fight until age 50, you know, and then now like still doing wonderful things and, and still inspiring a lot of people. So I thank Bernard Hopkins for appearing on Where They At. Make sure you can check out great podcasts just like this past one with Bernard Hopkins. You can go on and subscribe and or rate the show too. You can check me on Spotify. Check me on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, and also Catropolis Radio Network which is C-A-S-T-R-O-P-O-L-I-S dot net. So you can check out my show, the podcast stream there, as well as it it streams also online, 8 p.m. Eastern time, every Monday night as well. And if you like the music that you hear, check my music out on N-A-B-A-T-E-I-S-L-E-S dot com. That's Nabateals dot com. And you will hear tracks from my album, Eclectic Excursions. It's a pleasure once again to speak with these magnificent individuals on where they at. Number 36 will be coming soon. So take care, everybody. Be safe and be blessed and stay woke. Bye-bye. Thank you.